Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Hey, everybody. Chad Parsons. Welcome to Under the Helmet. I got a really important macro and historical topic this week comes between round one of most dynasty leagues, 12-team variety of the playoffs, and we're headed to semifinal week here in week 16. Used to be week 15 uh, was the semifinal week. But some important data that I've been scraping, uh, I had some data before this season, have some data including this season from my own portfolio that I wanted to share because I think it's very instructive in how we look at teams and when it's fresh right now, you have impressive wins, disappointing losses, uh, ones where you won or lost by just a few points or it came down to a, a play on Sunday or Monday night, um, that we need to remember this. We need to encapsulate moments like this and lessons learned like this so that we can apply it throughout the entire off season and remember it when we're going through next September through December to make this push for a championship yet again. And it's this point. I don't think folks realize, and I've got some secondary information on this, how important it is to get a buy in your dynasty leagues. And let's start here. There's an obvious report, obvious statement, which is if you're able to play fewer games to win the title or have to win more games in the playoffs, it is preferential to win fewer games, hence the bye week. Uh, In the NFL, you'd rather be the number one seed than the number two or four seed or whatever. You'd rather play A, more home games. B, you'd rather have uh, more buys to play less games. All this is pretty easy because uh, what does it mean? It means that you have less chance to lose. That obviously anytime you take the field NFL-wise or you take the field with your dynasty roster, you have a chance to lose. It doesn't matter if you're a big favorite, small favorite, underdog, uh, you know, probabilities of win, all that, that you can lose and your season can be over. So that's the first starting point. However, I wanted to go over a couple key points that I discovered going through my own portfolio, going through my own results here. And here's the first point I wanted to make. Starting off, and this is something I've just, it's, I've generally quoted, and this is something that was not researched back at the time. So now I want to give you some of the backstory behind it. I said in the playoffs that even if you're a favorite, you're probably in an individual matchup at best a 60-40 favorite. And I also said a lot of them are going to be 50-50 or shooting just to be above 500 in the playoffs. All the teams are good. These are all just nice, fluffy, uh, rainbow cloud statements. All that, it kind of makes sense. You know, it's things we've heard over and over again. But I'll tell you this, my experience, and this is over five plus years tracking the data, it is false. What I just said is absolutely false. So I'm going to start with round one of the playoffs. You have six, we're going to, here's here's the typical scenario I'm going to outline. It's a 12-team league. Six teams make the playoffs. Two teams get a bye. The other four, seeds three through six, play 
head-to-head in the first round of the playoffs. Used to be week 14, now it's week 15. So you have this first game, you've got two teams, the best two teams are sitting it out on the sidelines, drinking Gatorade, they have their feet up, doesn't matter if they post a record-setting performance or if they have a dud performance. They are advancing to the semis and awaiting for whoever team, whatever team wins, to now advance. So there's a lot of things at play here. Let me start with that round one. You're between seed three through six. You're playing in the first round. This is where it is a dogfight. This is where the probabilities are very close. I tracked my results in this round, seeds three through six. Everyone, you take out the best teams in the league and now everyone else in the playoffs is playing. I am a shade over 500. And you want to know why? Because these teams are, in terms of parity, likely pretty close. Maybe there's a three seed that really is as good as the teams that have a bye. Maybe there's a team that got white hot and they ended up winning four or five games in a row and they have the right combination of healthy guys, hot guys, the right schedule uh, going down the stretch run of the season. And they end up, uh, uh, you know, not getting a bye, obviously, but having a magical run to get to the playoffs. They're white hot. Those scenarios exist. However, in general, you get a bigger sample size. And I've found it's I'm a shade over 500. So. First of all, those round one games, 50-50 or so. That's an accurate statement. Here's what's not an accurate statement. When I said you're 60-40 at best, or you need to view them all like they're 50-50 going through the playoffs. That is certifiably false based on my research. Here is the the biggest part. Looking at my results that I'm a 70 to 75% win rate for the teams that had a bye week in that semifinals, 70 to 75%. That's a massive number. It's actually 72 point something. So that is not 50-50. That's not even 60-40. And there's a couple reasons for this. I, I, here's, I have one that's a hypothesis. I haven't tested this out. The other one is the simple statement from who are we dealing with here? We're dealing with a team that has a buy that is over the course of 14 weeks, uh, three plus months, they have been better than the teams that were playing in the first round of the playoffs. So you have a, a team that has just been better for three and a half months, and you're pitting them against a team that just won a game, but they've been proven to not be as good as that team that they're now matched up against in week 16. So again, 70, 70 to 75%. You have almost a, a you have two to one, if not three to one advantage. Pretty massive. Absolutely massive. And so what that means is when you don't have a buy, let's look at this. You're first of all gonna be 50-50 or so in your first matchup. So let's say you got, let's make the numbers easy. We're gonna say eight teams. You got eight teams that are playing in the first round of the playoffs in your portfolio. Assume four are gonna lose. Now you got four into the semis. And guess what? you're probably going to be 25-30% at best to win each of those matchups. Let's call it 25%. So you started with eight teams. You got shredded down to four. Now you're in the semis. Boom, one team. You're going up against three teams that had buys. Four teams, excuse me. Four teams that had buys. You win one. So now one out of four advanced to the finals. Out of eight teams that make the playoffs, you get one team through. So... Uh, that, that's a pretty bad, you know, pessimistic way to look at it. 
Um, but it really is the numbers. And it, again, you've been the better team with because you have a buy. You've been the better team. And here's the other thing that this is hypothesis. So I'm going to go back in the offseason and test this and look up more data. When you win the first round of the playoffs, I would imagine this. You have the opportunity to score an outlier high week. Let's say you average 150 per week on the season. You advance and you score 175. Is the odds regressionary? You know, that's probably based on touchdowns. Your quarterback scored three times. Uh, you had a running back that scored twice. Uh, you had a long touchdown for one of your wide receivers. You see where I'm going with this. You were above your typical baseline for the season. And that means some of these players, especially with touchdowns, overachieved that week. Now let's fast forward to you're playing in the semifinals, A, against a bye week team. So they're better than you. B, you just came off a, a, a week where you had a bunch of or inordinate amount or higher than average amount of touchdowns. So now you're probably going to score fewer. Your odds of having a down game. And guess what? You advanced probably because you had players that didn't exit early with an injury. You had a number of factors that could have fed into this. The point is, you're probably not going to be lucky or fortunate or get the, the oblong ball bounce quite so much. Two weeks in a row is kind of what you're asking for to advance. And now you need even more so to pull the big, massive upset against the top or second seed. The other thing that connects to this whole topic is how most prize pools and how most uh, money pools for dynasty leagues are allocated. A heavy majority goes towards the winner or the winner slash uh, getting second place, which means all you have to do is get to the final game. All you have to get do is get to championship game and you have an inordinately higher ROI than Again, in being in the semis and then now winning the semifinal matchup is frankly the biggest shifter in how much money are you going to make from this league and all of your leagues combined in a given year. How you do in week 16 semifinal week, because now it unlocks the door with a win to getting to the finals where the payouts for first and second are inordinately better in almost every league I've seen than getting third place. And here's the thing. You lose this week and you're playing for third place. You are trying to, you're playing for third place and fourth place is a set of steak knives. <laughs> you know, and by steak knives, I mean nothing. <laughs> you get nothing. You don't even get your entry fee covered a lot of times, 90% of the times. I actually set up in my leagues that fourth place gets like an entry fee level, you know, amount or something like that. But um, it, it's it really is slanted so much in terms of your potential. First is usually huge. Second is usually okay. Third is eh, shoulder shrug. Fourth is nothing. And so you get it now. If you lose in the semis, you're playing and you have a fifty percent chance of nothing. So it, whether you're a buy team, a non-buy team, this is the money-making week because the downside is if you lose week 16 and then you lose week 17, you finished fourth and you get nothing. And if you win, uh, if you lose win, you get a little bit of something. But then if you win lose, you make a whole lot more. So this is the key week to unlocking your ceiling for your dynasty results, your ROI, and, and frankly, uh, your prize pool and your pocketbook as you're finishing your season. So now I wanted to go over my results uh, in terms of this shift in thinking on how important a bye week is. That shifting over towards 
looking for elite outcomes, looking for auto start players more and more of my focus, consolidation trades, and getting uh, stronger profiles, paying the price, uh, consolidating with two for one, three for one, uh, going after the big players, addressing needs, addressing critical premium positions, doing all of those things. And last year, just to, you know, the sample size uh, changes a little bit, but I had 29 playoff teams. 12 of those 29 were bi-week teams. Now, both of those are well above average from what you would expect given my my payload of, of teams. So the 29 playoff teams were plus 42% above average. The 12 bi-week teams plus 76 over the average expectation. So 12 bi teams, 17 non-bi teams. So the the so the the re the reason that's important is again we talked about the carnage. So if you're going to be 500, like we basically need to talk about how many semifinal teams do you have. And so if you have 17 going into into the round one of the playoffs, you're probably having eight or nine coming out. So really, it's about how many semifinals, how many money week games do you have. And last year, based on expectation, if you view it 50-50, 20 teams, 21 teams, somewhere around there would have been the expectation. Again, bye weeks are key. Now, fast forward to this season, 31 playoff teams. Here's the difference, 18 buys. And that may not sound like a big difference, but 12 versus 18 buys is a massive difference. It's 116% over expectation or over average. And I flipped it. Instead of 12 and 17 buys versus non-buys last year, it's 18 versus 13. So let's do the math again. So only two more playoff teams, but let's do the expectation of 50-50 results. And so last year, again, we have 17 teams. Heck, let's go. say you go nine and eight. So that's 21 teams into the semifinals. This year, it would be 13 teams playing in round one. Let's call it again, one game over 500 just for consistency sake. And that's going to be seven teams of the 13s advancing. So 25 teams as opposed to 21. It's not an, it's not a, uh, a one-to-one ratio there. So the, the, year, the week before you have 21, this year, uh, despite only two more teams, it jumps by four or five in terms of the expectation because of those probabilities in the first round of the playoffs. So as we go through the offseason, as we go through the regular season next year, I want you to remember how important a buy is and how important, you know, obviously, you know, if you're sitting there midseason and you're five and five or you're six and six, you're just trying to get into the playoffs. We get that. I've said it before. The race to eight. If you get to eight and six, the odds are really high you're getting into the playoffs. Seven and seven. Good luck. You need a lot of help. And obviously, better than that, uh, you know, uh, you're you're cruising towards you know nine and five, especially ten and four. You are you know getting close to that point of being in a good spot to get a buy. Um, so those are the important markers. Is eight and six gets you in, but you really need to get to ten and four or better in order to produce a buy. One other thing that I don't like uh, in playing in dynasties long enough is when you get the four teams in three different divisions set up. Because, hey, we're not creating blood rivals here. This isn't like the NFL. Uh, we don't really have a lot of divisional matchups. Who's tracking this type of stuff? A lot of what we're doing is playing with glorified strangers. And we're looking for uh, a way to enhance, obviously, NFL, fantasy football, and then dynasty. We, we like all of those. 
But I would say the the, the system of getting in the wrong division and all of a sudden, you know, you might be the second best team, but you get a four or five seed just because of a of a team instead of having a buy that's ahead of you. So either have if you are hell bent on having divisions, I would say you can still do it where, hey, every division winner gets into the playoffs no matter what. But uh, the top two teams get a buy or something like that. Uh, the two two divisions is better. But why not have just one rolling list of 12 teams? I don't really understand why we wouldn't just have that. Um, I've also discussed that I think maybe having a 14-team league would be a little better just because six teams making it isn't even half, which I think you should be rewarded for making the playoffs, not necessarily something where you know, six out of 12, you just kind of walk into the postseason. I think six out of 14 is a better ratio. And the other thing is you can play every team once that's 13 matchups. And then one game, one game remaining in the regular season, you can do an all play where if you finish in the top half, you get a win, bottom half, you get a loss. I think that would be a really good setup because the other part is you get 12 teams, you have 11 matchups. What do you do with the other three? And a lot of times it's at random, but yet, again, some teams get uh, the short end and some people get the uh, long end of that stick uh, with, with some of the matchups that you end up doubling up and playing teams twice. So, And also it can make it a little stickier for tiebreakers. You know, If head-to-head is some semblance of a tiebreaker standings in any purpose, then you can have uh, you know, a few teams in your league you played twice as opposed to once. Just food for thought there. Obviously, 14 teams would create a little more scarcity for the quarterback position in Superflex, and there's some other ramifications to consider. But the biggest thing, going back to the beginning, is do what you have to do to get a bye week. It is very important. I've mentioned before, the odds are more slanted than you think in terms of getting to the semis. Obviously, with a bye, you don't even have to play that game. And then obviously your odds to get to the finals and then ultimately have a chance to win. And also, it means you're a better team. Almost every time it means if you have a buy, you're a better team, unless you just absorbed key injuries in the closing weeks and you really cruised to a buy, you know, and you were losing a game or two at the end from being undefeated or a one loss team, and yet you still have a buy. But overarchingly, having a buy is such a critical advantage. And that's why, and one thing, uh, just one real life example. Jordan and I have a, have a league that we scraped into the playoffs, I think, a couple different times, or we were the first team out once. And we were always just that team that had one foot in, one foot out of the playoffs, and never quite got home. And one of the biggest changes we made was instead of just keep, keeping doing what we're doing, we addressed our critical uh, positional deficiency, which it was too tight end with some premium scoring. And we finally ended up making a big trade. It Well, it didn't seem like a big trade at the time, but we traded for David Njoku. We drafted Dalton Kincaid, and then we found an opportunity to cash in some of our rookie capital for Mark Andrews. So we did all of those things in a 12-month period, actually this offseason slash early in the season. Now, we lost Mark Andrews, but we were dying on the vine at tight end. And one of the mantras, we said, can we just get to average? Average was upside to be better. And all of a sudden, we ended up boat racing our division this year. We ended up having a bye. Now, here we sit in the final four, where even when we got to this spot, I think in a previous season, 
we were the underdog. You know, we were not on the 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 right side of that 70 something percent chance in the semifinal week to win. We did not have a bye. We did not have the better team. We had uh, depth at all the other positions, but yet we were running out guys like CJ Uzama and, you know, just hoping and praying that a few of our backup tight ends had streaming starting weeks at, at key points in the regular season. For too many years long ago, we had Jared Cook and he saved our, our butts. But we we never really fixed or addressed or upgraded the position, and now we really threw capital at a position that really matters in this format, and we ended up going, uh, we ended up having just a couple losses I think in the regular season. We have a bye, and now we have a legitimate chance to win the league and get to the money round in in week seventeen. And it is all because we played the positional format. We paid up. We actually made that first David Njoku trade. I was like, oh, you know, we're kind of paying paying a good amount here in a in a two quarterback league. We traded Geno Smith to get David Njoku, but it was helping our lineup more so than Geno Smith and the depth that he provided at that position. Uh, so now we got one starter. We said we're going to spend up and create uh, and draft Dalton Kincaid. We found an opportunity for Mark Andrews. This is how you fix a position, and you can't just let something like that go when there's positional. If it's a one tight end format in a stock PPR, maybe you can let that position go uh, if you don't have something. But always be looking for that difference maker because when you get to the playoffs, it's going to be about the studs that can move the needle, that can score 20 plus points at tight end. It can be about who can have the monster game so that you can win. As, and one mantra that I've always said is those bad games, the 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 one catch 10 yards uh, from any player doesn't hurt you as much as the game that goes 20 plus, 25, 30 points helps you. So just know that don't fear the downside, but seek out the upside, seek elite results, and seek those difference makers that can have a better shot to produce the impact results. Because that's what it's going to come down to. This week, this money week in week 16, it's going to be who has the players that produce the big results so that you don't go home and you are advancing and you're sending your opponent there. So I wanted to leave you with that this week. Um, it's something that I've been thinking about since this weekend, but al- also since last week when I did a lot of this research to get the numbers. And again, it, it it really does make a lot of sense when you put the puzzle pieces together of you are the better team and having a buy uh, really does shift the odds. It's not 60-40. It's not 50-50. It's frankly closer to 75-25. And so that, in addition to not having to play that game, not having to worry about putting out, putting up a down game, not being suspect to them putting up a great game against you, you are just reducing the probabilities of the tragic, which is you've been good for three and a half months and now you're out because of one game. And if you can reduce, uh, you know, two chances to exit before the finals to one chance, that is a huge tactical and probability uh, impactful impactful difference there. Also wanted to mention an update on the UTH best ball contest for the season. We're getting down to the final weeks here. And so shout out to week 15 and the number one finish by over 20 points in the contest is hip hip Jorge. Uh, He actually won for the second time in the contest here, uh, which is 
pretty rare uh, to have a, a double dip. I think we have two of them this season. But uh, uh, Hip Hip Jorge is up into the top 10 or so on the season and uh, and trying to get uh, as high as possible there in the standings, uh, potentially eligible for some prizes. But uh, Hip Hip Jorge had a great week, uh, benefited from Jalen Waddle this past week, had six total touchdowns between Jordan Love and Brock Purdy in this best ball built contest. And how about Sam Laporta? 30 plus points in the tight end premium and juiced format there. Uh, James Cook going off, Jameer Gibbs, uh, he had a number of strong performances to take down this best ball-centric contest. So congratulations to uh, Hip Hip Jorge. Overall standings, we've got Tim C up at the top. I think he's been up at the top for most of the season. And yours truly in the second in the co-captain chair here, only down by about 25 points. We've got Chris in the third spot, Jamie in the fourth spot, and Michael in the fifth spot. So uh, a crowded field, I will say there's a little bit of separation outside of the top five, six, seven. It may be tough for uh, people to catch up uh, just outside of that range because uh, you then by, by then you're down by about 100 points. So uh, still a few weeks to go here. And uh, thanks to all the super fans, it's a way to give back and offer some prizes and also compete in this best ball salary cap. Build your team in August, set it and forget it until December uh, type feel. And uh, yeah, again, just a ton of fun and and glad that I'm having a good year. You know, I've finished middle of the pack once or twice and never a good feeling there. Uh, it's good to, to see that we have uh, someone challenging up at the top. We usually do. Usually it's Katie Flower. Uh, but this year she's down into the, I think, 10 to 15 range. Uh, so probably going to be a little too far, even for the diva of Debbie to come all the way back from that distance. And uh, one more thing, if you like this show, uh, you want to get into some of the macro discussions, some of the strategy points, obviously player profiles. Uh, we're going to get into the 2024 NFL draft season. Um, and just know, I mean, I'm already working on the, the player updates for the off season as we go through, because the goal is to have you ready. If you, if you sign up for a startup draft, if you are already open with trading and you're saying, hey, Chad, what are some moves I need to make? Is your trade calculator updated for the off season? All of that. And you send me that on like January 5th. I mean, I want my answer to be unequivocally yes. So later December, while we're competing for titles, just know on the back, uh, the back end with some of my spare time, it's going towards prepping uh, and scrubbing all the player profiles, uh, the trade calculator, the rankings, all of those things for A, the offseason, B, it's really 2024 and beyond with a lot of the macro profile scrubbing and data points, historical information and uh, looking at player comps, uh, career arcs, all of those things that go into providing the best and most researched player value you can find out there in the Dynasty space. So that's at uthdynasty.com. And if you want to just a little bit more unique content, I always get this question. It's exclusive. We don't double up on shows or written content or anything like that between the two platforms. But patreon.com slash UTH is where you can find a VIP chat room. Uh, that's something that we have dozens and dozens of the best dynasty owners on the planet. I can attest to that because I'm in there talking with them every single day of the year. And whatever the time of year is, we talk obviously trading and lineups and waiver strategy and all of that in season. But then 
we talk when someone has a startup draft, uh, we get to live vicariously. We get to help help them out. Uh, you can put up polls if you're doing a, a trade or something like that. Uh, and again, we talk trading, we talk the draft, uh, we talk everything based on what the time of year is in our dynasty circles and our dynasty consciousness. So that's one featured aspect. You get bonus shows. Uh, I do a featured uh, waiver wire show every single week during the, the regular season. And then uh, you get bonus shows with Tim Torch. Uh, I do a bunch of solo shows. And a lot of times you get the backstory on projects. Like you heard uh, some of the some of the information you just heard uh, there for looking at bye weeks and looking at data points of win rates and all those all those things. You heard that weeks ago. Uh, there in the uh, on uh, the Patreon platform, and you can get those just like the UTH Premium shows, just like this free show on any podcasting app you want. Uh, you get the private private RSS feed, and it just comes to your device. You get a little update, and all of a sudden you're good to go. You don't have to go archaically to a website and have an embedded player. Is it going to stop where you want it to stop? Is it going to remember where you are in the show? Um, and and all of that, do you have to keep your phone on? Like there's so much uh, dinosaur type elements to how listening to podcast used to be. And now pretty much whatever the platform is, especially these exclusive and premium UTH feeds, you can get them on whatever podcasting app you use. All right, that's going to do it. I am Chad Parsons. As always, good luck in your critical semifinal weeks uh, and their their matchups here coming up. And again, the season is, is almost over. So savor every single game. The countdown is beginning where Yes, in January, we become NFL fans full force again, but uh, this is one where just savor the data points you have because once you get uh, a few weeks from now, it'll all be over and we'll be kind of happy. I'm always a little happy to get to the off season, but you know what? By the end of the off season, we're ready to do the regular season all over again in 2024. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.